Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. The Bears played host to the only team in the NFC with a worse record than them on Sunday as they look to avenge last year's loss and close out the third quarter of the season with their third win of the year. Did the Bears get their revenge? Or were the 49ers just too much? All of this plus bear up and bear down on the Week 13 Review episode of the Chicago Bears Review. You know, if I'd have been able to find it, I would have probably played the uh, glory, glory, hallelujah as the, you know, as the song that we kind of faded into here just because um, it started off ugly, but it ended off just right as the Bears did avenge last year's loss to the 49ers with their 26-6 victory over San Francisco to quote-unquote improve to 3-9 and nine on the season the Buster Ass 49ers fall to 1 and 11, and it was scary in the beginning. Um, you'll hear the knee jerk reactions. The second one could have been, the second one was still kind of brutal, but it could have been so, so much worse if the Bears didn't score before halftime or if they didn't have that drive just before halftime. It was going to be ugly because before the final drive, before the final drive and the two-minute drill where the Bears scored, um, you know, the Jordan Howard, the first of his touchdowns anyway, um, they had zero passing yards on the day, and the two teams combined because of the Bears' sacks would have combined for negative yardage passing in the first half. And, um, no, you know, San Francisco had the ball for over 20 minutes in the first half. And, you know, here they are. They're, they are as bad as advertised. They are a 1-10 in 10 team. And, you know, here we are. We're giving them opportunities. They're winning this game. They shouldn't be because they're just they're the most horrendous team in the NFC by far. And yet here we are losing to this team at home again. And it was going to be so much uglier than it was. And thankfully we had that drive just before the half. So... It was still not it's not pretty, but it's nowhere near. I mean, it would have just I would have, you know, been spewing venom and I, you know, veins coming out of my forehead and and the whole nine yards. If, if that half had finished the way that the first 28 minutes, it was going to be nothing but fire and, and brimstone at the, uh, you know, during that knee jerk reaction. But thankfully, we did score the touchdown. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back the week 13 review episode of the Chicago Bears review, and um, we can finally stop talking about it now. I know you all are finally relieved that the Bears, f- that this is over with. 
the Bears avenged that loss that has plagued me personally for a year. I just never quite got over that one. You know, I just didn't. And I apologize for putting you guys through that for the last 12 months. But uh, we've avenged the loss and uh, it's over. It's behind us now. And I know that that having gone through this 12 month journey, you're all just dying to know. Is there a game from this year that we can carry into next year as one that will bother you until we can avenge it? Um, And the answer is yes, there is. Uh, You might think it's the Jacksonville game, but it's not, actually. It's the Indianapolis game. But I'm not going to go ahead and hang that one over everybody's head because we don't get to play the Colts until 2020. So unless we uh, end up in the Super Bowl against Indy again, um, that is uh, we're just going to have to let that one go until uh, 2020 comes around because that's the one that bothered me the most because – we knew what Indianapolis was going to do, and we couldn't stop it anyway. That that was just the worst part of it for me, was that we, we knew they had one weapon on offense to use, and we couldn't stop them from using it. And just to make matters worse, they used that one weapon to score the touchdown that won them the game. Uh, that that's To me, that was the worst part of it all, was that um, you know we knew that if we took care of this one guy, we pretty much had them by the balls, and we couldn't do anything about it. So that's what drove me absolute, you know, just nuts uh, about that game. But, however, it's not a game that we get to avenge a year from now or anything like that. And so I'm just going to have to sweep it under the rug, you know. Probably be one that I mention from time to time. But I'm not going to plague you guys with this for the next four years until we get our hands on Indy again. So don't worry. There, there really isn't a game like that on the schedule where I'm going to be, you know, pounding on it. And, uh, you know, we should, uh, you know, listen to that for the next 12 months until we get to play this team again or, or anything like that. So one might think maybe it was Tampa Bay, but they murdered us. So there's, there's no avenging that needs to be happening there. It's just uh, they just killed us in that game. And speaking of which, um, we were the springboard, apparently, because uh, – they were a three and five team when we played them. Now they're seven and five and are currently the sixth seed in the NFC. So if the season ended today, the Bucks are in the playoffs, and we were the team that helped them figure out how to do it. So, yay for us! But um, anyway, it was an interesting game. It uh, you know it was it was old school as far as the it had that whole bear weather vibe to it with the this the the ugly snow and it wasn't just snow it was that rainy slushy ugly snow you know where it affected pretty much everything and it was funny to sit there and watch that game in the first quarter because it really looked like uh the two coaching staffs did not realize that it was actually legal to throw the ball in the first quarter you know or for the first half uh, for that matter, I think that before before the drive in the second quarter that led to the Bears touchdown to take the lead just before halftime, I think the two teams combined for about four or five passes in the first half before Barkley had like four or five passes in that last drive uh, before halftime. So what's you <laughs> let's go ahead and dive right in. And like I said, in the first quarter, it was damn ugly. And it really looked like a one and ten team taking on a two and nine team because it was ugly out there. 
Knee-jerk reaction to the Bears and the 49ers after the first quarter. It's uh, zero to zero. Uh, I am barely awake because it's one of the most boring first quarters of football I've watched in quite some time. Um, the weather uh, is a huge factor thus far. It's been snowing uh, here in the Midwest. Um, I don't know exactly when. It didn't uh, last night. When I let the dog out at midnight last night before I went to bed, it was still clear outside. When I uh, let him out for the first time about 9 o'clock this morning, it was uh, there was like six inches of snow on the ground. So uh, Chicago has definitely been hit by the, by the weather. It's ugly as hell out there. Um, I think they said just before the break there's only been three pass attempts, no completions thus far. Uh, the 49ers ruled the, the first quarter as far as time of possession, hanging on to the football, uh, but they've done almost nothing with it because it's been all running uh, thus far. So, um, you know, there's really not much to say. You know, it's uh, Kaepernick's been sacked twice, so that's been great. Um, you know, so dropping back to pass, the Bears are all over it, but uh, running the football, it's, it's a give-and-take thing. They'll stuff the runner, then they'll give up a six-yard run on the next play, so on and so forth. This drive that the 49ers are on has lasted uh, quite a while, and they're in uh, they're inside the 30, I think, if they're not in the red zone yet. But um, so far, that's it. No fireworks, nothing exciting yet. You know, it's 0-0. The 49ers have the ball, and we'll see where we go from here. <laughs> So I think my boredom trumped my frustration uh, there in that uh, in the first quarter, simply because they were basically just running the football. Like I said, the, 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 I think they mentioned that the announcers there had been a, been a combined three pass attempts between the two teams. The Bears only had the ball once in the first quarter, and I think they only ran about four or five plays, if that, uh, on that first drive uh, when uh, when the first half ended. I think I already mentioned this. The 49ers had 20 minutes time of possession in the first half to the Bears just just over nine. And, uh, you know, it didn't really feel like that. And, I mean, it felt it certainly felt like that in the first quarter for sure. It felt like the Bears didn't have the ball uh, at all, and the 49ers were on this long, boring 15-minute drive that they couldn't punch into the end zone for some reason. Um, but it was just, uh, you know, they were just running the ball, it it's it was really you know it was really bad and it carried deep into the second quarter because it you know it was i remember texting back and forth with a buddy of mine just saying it this really does look like a game between two teams with a combined record of 3 and 19 you know it just it really does look like that like there's no fire there's no passion nobody's out there trying to win the game and just watching it it looked like Akeem Hicks was the only person that didn't get the memo that we were just playing the game because we had to kind of thing he was out there getting after uh Kaepernick he's making tackles for loss in the backfield you know he was really a menace in that first half and then you know all of a sudden it just kind of clicked with the Bears apparently and or clicked with Dole Loggins or maybe Loggins was late to the game and they didn't know how to call offensive plays without him there or something but just before halftime um right but this disaster uh that i'll talk about in a minute but uh you know well let me play the knee-jerk reaction and then we'll go back and talk about it knee-jerk reaction to the bears and the 49ers after the second quarter and uh 
You know, until about, literally about two minutes ago, this was going to be the ugliest second quarter knee-jerk reaction probably ever. I was at the point where I was going to have the ugliest meltdown going into halftime because up until the Bears' last drive before the end of the half, what I was sitting here watching was an exact duplicate of last year's game. Okay, the 49ers are the worst team on the field. They are. The Bears are actually better. They're the superior team coming into this, which sounds like an oxymoron depending, you know, with the teams that we're dealing with here. But the only reason that the 49ers are in the game slash winning is because the Bears are making mistakes that are allowing them to. You heard what I said in the first quarter and how boring it was. There was running. There were zero passes completed in the first quarter until the Bears came on this last drive, which was a touchdown drive. There were zero passing yards for the Bears, negative 14 for the 49ers because of the sacks that they put on Kaepernick. There was going to be a negative 14 yards passing in the first half if the, the if it had ended the way that it was going. But instead, the Bears go on a 64-yard, uh, actually more like an 80-yard drive. Barkley has 64 yards passing, finish off the drive with a one-yard uh, Jordan Howard uh, touchdown run to put the Bears up 7-6 to six because a blocked punt, and I will talk more in depth about what happened with the blocked punt. A blocked punt leads to one field goal for the 49ers because they suck, they can't take advantage. And then Deontay Thompson fumbles the ensuing kickoff to give the ball right back to them in that territory, and yet because they suck, only another field goal. So it's six to nothing, you know, and it's the same thing as last year. The 49ers are ahead or they're winning the game, uh, you know, they're in charge or whatever, but nothing that they've done has knocked the Bears out of the game, but it's only because of the Bears' mistakes that the 49ers are in this position in the first place. So the second half needs to be much cleaner. Hopefully this the passing spree that Barkley went on before the half will open up the offense for the Bears as we go into the second half because the 49ers had no answer for it. I mean, nothing. Cameron Meredith was wide open. Deontay Thompson's catching passes uh, and everything else. And it also should open things up for Jordan Howard because basically the Niners are playing with like 11 in the box uh, when the Bears are, basically refuse to pass the ball. So hopefully we'll see some things open up. The Bears have the lead and we start with the ball in the second half up 7-6. to six. So like I said, it was ugly, but nowhere near, and I even told you so in the near jerk reaction, nowhere near what it could have been had the Bears gone into the half down six to nothing for no other reason than the fact that like I, I, I you know mentioned in the in the preview show that the Bears all the Bears have to do to win this game is to stay out of their own way. And there it was in the second quarter after that boring ass first quarter, there it was in the second quarter, their own mistakes were the only reason that the 49ers were winning because it wasn't anything that San Francisco was doing that was keeping the Bears back. It just wasn't. So first things first, the punt. <laughs> I'm, I can't remember who it was, and I, I, haven't, I can't seem to find a, a highlight reel anywhere that can show me. I'm pretty sure that it was Daniel Brown. I know it was a tight end. I know it was a tight end. I'm pretty sure it was Daniel Brown. First of all, the Bears had a delay of game penalty because Daniel Brown, I believe, we'll just call him the tight end. The tight end forgot to get out there. 
So the Bears had a delay of game because they only had 10 men on the field waiting for this 11th jackass to get out there. So how does he respond to being late on the field and causing the team a five-yard penalty? By not blocking the, the guy. And, you know, this really kind of felt like, you know, Sean Drawn, the, the running back for the 49ers, used to play for us. And uh, he was, uh, you know, like the guy, he scored a touchdown against us last year. Actually ran the ball pretty well in that game uh, last year uh, against the Bears. And it's just like, what the hell is it with this guy? All of a sudden, he's the Bears kryptonite because he was the one that actually blocked the punt against the Bears on Sunday. But then the most amazing thing happened. The guy that, that caught O'Donnell's 16-yard punt because it was blocked uh, appears to run it back for a touchdown. However, he stepped out at the four-yard line, but because the 49ers are crap and things like this don't happen to them, good things, I should say, don't happen to them on a regular basis, they lose their minds. I mean, they went absolutely nuts over this touchdown that didn't happen and got flagged for excessive celebration. You got flagged for excessive celebration over a touchdown that didn't happen. And as a matter of fact, it was never signaled a touchdown. The referee was right there. He was on top of it. He called him out at the four-yard line. So it's not like something they had to go back and review. It was never called a touchdown. The referee nailed it. You know, he was there. He saw the play. He saw the guy step out, called him out from the beginning. But those idiots didn't care. There they were celebrating a touchdown that didn't happen. So instead of having it first and goal at the four, it was first down at the 19-yard line. And as I said in the reaction, because they suck, they weren't able to do anything with it, and had to settle for, a, had to settle for their first uh, field goal. And then Deontay Thompson, you know, I'm not too sure that it was a fumble because every angle that I saw, I never saw the ball come out. I mean, I, you know, I only saw a couple of angles there. I guess that's all they had. But you know, the problem was, um, it was one of those situations where it was that was the call on the field was a fumble and a recovery by the 49ers and the angles that were available didn't dispute it apparently like there was no there wasn't enough uh, vis- video evidence to overturn the call so the 49ers ended up keeping it you know it's like i i'm not going to put Deontay Thompson on i'm not going to say that he fumbled the ball cuz from the angles that i saw i don't think that he did or if if he did he was down before it happened and there wasn't enough video evidence to overturn the call, so it ended up sticking with the 49ers. And because, like they said, they suck, they weren't able to take advantage of it and had to settle for another field goal. So, But after that, the Bears finally opened things up, and that's, that's, where, that's where all of a sudden I did see passion. I did see fire. I did see excitement. I saw... I saw them jacked up because you just see Barkley uh, when Jordan, he handed the ball off to Howard and Jordan uh, ran it in for the touchdown from one yard out. Barkley celebrated like we just won the football game, which essentially we did because that was uh, that would have been that was enough points to win us the game right there was the was the seven points from from that one. But, you know, it was amazing. Like all of a sudden, it's just like the Bears woke up because when we came out in the second half, the momentum did carry. We started with the football. And by the end of the third quarter, what looked like a laughing stock going into halftime, all of a sudden, you know, was a one-sided laughing stock. <laughs> Knee jerk reaction to the third quarter of the Bears and the 49ers. And uh, 
Well, it's going a lot better. Let's just say that. The Bears, the Bears, for the first time all season, were able to actually carry the momentum that they had going into the half with them into the second because the first two drives of the third quarter resulted in touchdowns for the Bears. The defense is still playing well. Colin Kaepernick is still a terrible quarterback and uh, has completed, I think he's still only completed one pass so far in the game. He's been sacked five times and we're up 21-6 to and the Bears are driving now. So what happened was the uh, the Bears are finally opening up the offense and throwing the ball, I guess, because, you know, the Bears checked the rules before that two-minute drive, and it's actually legal to throw the football in snow because that's what it kind of looked like. Neither one of these teams believed that that was supposed to be happening in snow. But um, they've opened it up, and Barkley's throwing the ball really well. Josh Bellamy is actually catching passes today. He's dropped two really easy balls, but he's also got about three or four really nice catches on top of that so Jordan Howard's got three touchdowns it's all going well and it looks like we're going to have our victory Monday like I thought we would the first quarter was just uh was just there to give me high blood pressure and uh flashbacks from last season's game because it looks like we're going to go on to easily close this thing out and break that 23 point ceiling we haven't been able to crack since the Indianapolis game because the Bears are up 21 to 6 we've got the football in San Francisco territory and we've got all the momentum in the world a couple things here first i mentioned in the second quarter knee-jerk reaction that throwing the football would open things up for jordan howard and they showed a graphic that made me 1000 percent right on that first it was he had like 12 yards rushing in the first quarter 17 yards rushing in the second when the majority of the first half the bears were basically just running the football on every play and the 49ers had their entire roster at the line of scrimmage so he wasn't able to do much well in the third quarter when the Bears started throwing the football and opening things up Howard had over 50 yards rushing uh, in the third quarter alone you know the two touchdowns were from like five were like from one yard and six yards out that's that third touchdown of his we that was that was beautiful by the way it was just beautiful we were at like about the five or six yard line they hands the football and he basically runs right into the back of the offensive line but he keeps digging and actually ends up pushing the 49ers defense into the end zone I mean it didn't look like he was going to score and the next thing you know he was in the end zone he just kept those legs churning and he was there so you know it throwing the football did open things up Barkley threw the ball really really well uh, despite the uh, conditions and they made a big stink about how neither Kaepernick or Barkley had played in a snow game before and that would kind of make sense as far as how the game was approached because it was until the second quarter that uh, you know Barkley realized that um you know, the snow wasn't weakening his powers or something. Like, this is this is not toxic. It's just frozen water. That's all it is. So let's just go out there and start throwing the ball and see what happens. And the next thing you know, the Bears have an offense and we're winning the football game. So um, Kaepernick truly was awful uh, in this football game. You'll hear me talk about it in the, in the fourth quarter, knee-jerk reaction about what his stats were, so I won't get into it now because he got benched in the fourth quarter. But, um, you know, his throwing was all over the place. Um, he didn't run as much as I, as I expected him uh, to. Um, he only had about 20 yards rushing in the game. He didn't try to run the ball 
uh, much. I, I guess he really is trying to be more of a pocket passer uh, these days, but being in the pocket just served him up to get sacked five times, uh, like I mentioned. And, um, you know, he ended up with, with negative passing yards on the day. But, um, you know, he when he did throw the ball, he only attempted five. Here I am just giving you the stats anyway. He only attempted five passes uh, in the game. And the last one that he threw before he got benched, he had a wide open uh, Vance McDonald, his tight end, was wide open. And he overthrew him by a good, you know, he threw it about four yards over, four feet over his head. And it was, you know, I don't know what the play could have been, but the play, he, he definitely would have had a first down. And uh, the player was wide open. I don't know how much he'd have been able to turn the corner and, and run it upfield after the catch. But he had a couple of steps on his defender. He was wide open, and Kaepernick sailed it right over his head. I mean, it was it was an ugly, ugly throw. And, um, you know, the, the other ones weren't much prettier uh, than that. So uh, he did not play well at all. And, you know, aside from the fact that I, I you know, think that he is a flash-in-the-pan player, you know, after 2012, he's gotten worse every single year since then now granted the quality of the team he's been playing with has gone down right along with him but uh this was a guy that was supposed to be that basically carried the 49ers it was him and the defense that got him super bowl uh in 2012 and he has done he hasn't done his part since 2012 that's basically it he he had his one great year he got him to the super bowl in 2012 he was you know he was worse in 2013 but not bad in 2013 because he got back to the playoffs but after that, 2014, 20, nothing but a disaster uh, for the guy. He's regressed pre- pretty much every single year since basically the NFL figured him out, and uh, he hasn't really had an answer for it. Same as uh, RG3, uh, quite frankly. So, um, you know, that they, they just haven't been able to um, get past their, their freshman um, success it's been, you know, sophomore, junior, senior, you know, slumps just across the board. You know, you see a flash every now and then, but as far as being able to have continued success, Kaepernick, RG3, uh, you know, were guys that had those really great fast starts and, and, and everything kind of took the league by storm in the same year, as a matter of fact, 2012. But uh, overall, um, you know, proved not to be able to, to do it on a consistent uh consistent basis so and uh, Kaepernick doesn't really have injuries to blame it on like RG3 does but anyway going into the uh, fourth quarter with with the the Bears are driving they had the football there at the end of the third quarter thought we'd be able to crack that 23 point ceiling which is the highest point total the Bears have had all year we had success in doing that not by as many points as I would have liked but we closed it out and we did so in convincing fashion right there at the end Knee-jerk reaction to the fourth quarter of the Bears and the 49ers, and it's a done deal. The Bears close out this victory over the San Francisco 49ers, and uh, aside from that first quarter, pretty much played a, uh, you know, for the most part, played a flawless football game. Had a couple of uh, drops there from uh, from Josh Bellamy uh, there, but he also made more catches than he didn't today, which is an odd stat to keep on somebody, but considering who we're talking about why the hell not but um the bears were able to crack that 23 point ceiling with a field goal uh, in the fourth quarter from Connor Barth, 45 yards in these conditions. That's a pretty good kick. And then just capped off the scoring a few minutes ago, right after the two-minute warning, uh, Leonard Floyd beat Willie Young to uh, Blaine Gabbert, who replaced Kaepernick after a, I think it was one for four for five yards or something like that. 
or four yards, something like that, and uh, minus 25 yards in sack totals for a grand total of minus 21 yards overall for Kaepernick. Uh, I think he only had like 20 yards rushing on top of that, so he was negative one yard on the day uh, as a quarterback for the 49ers uh, today, and uh, so I, I just think that's hilarious. But um, anyway, the Bears defense was dominant. That sack from Floyd made the sixth sack of the game uh, for the Bears. Um, uh, Jordan Howard over 100 yards rushing and three touchdowns. The Bears scored on four straight possessions. Uh, three Howard touchdowns and that field goal from Connor Barth. And, uh, you know, didn't have any penalties and just the one turnover in the first quarter that resulted in San Francisco's second field goal. So, like I said, aside from that first quarter, which was an absolute disaster, but thankfully we were playing the worst team in the NFC, so it didn't hurt us too much. The second, third, and fourth quarter were much more in line with what what we what I was expecting going into this game against this team. And we come away with the victory 26 to 6 as we get ready for the fourth quarter of the season, starting with the Lions on the road next week. <laughs> The one thing that I did not like about the fourth quarter, and I actually even tweeted about it uh, at Shy Bears Review for anyone who wants to follow me uh, on Twitter. Um, the the Bears went from uh, starting with that last drive in the second quarter all the way through the third and into the fourth quarter. They were driving. They were playing offense like they were, you know, what I like to call they were playing to win. Uh, what bothered me was after we secured that 24-6 to lead uh, at the start of the fourth quarter, the Bears were looked like they were in playing not to lose mode. You know, we ran the ball a lot more. It looked like the first quarter again as far as the pace of it. Um, you know, they hand it off to Howard or Kadeem Carey or uh, – uh, Langford, they they run about three steps forward, they fall down, and then they were just playing to run out the clock. Now, I understand why John Fox would want to do that, you know, considering that, um, you know, basically we have bodies on the floor every single game. Somebody's being picked up and drug off the field and so on and so forth. It It's just, um, you know, frustrating to to watch after seeing the success that we had and then all of a sudden we stopped ourselves cuz it could have been it could have been better than it was it could have been more than 26 to 6 we could have broken 30 for the first time i believe that the bears were doing whatever the hell they wanted uh there in the second half and all of a sudden we we hit the brakes and just kind of tried to to coast our way out of the game again i understand as far as injuries why fox would want to get the hell out of that game and just get it over with uh and so on but as a fan just watching them slam on and it was obvious too. watching them slam on the brakes like that just kind of go through the motions to get through the game was kind of demoralizing uh to see but um you know just some quick notes that i made as i was kind of going through the game here uh i wrote first quarter was horrendously bad it looked like two teams with a combined three and 19 record were playing each other and it did it, it, it really did it was just terrible football uh, offense was playing like they didn't think it was legal to throw the football i think everyone's tired of that joke by this time first 27 minutes of the game that's what it looked like for the bears anyway howard was running into brick walls because of it bellamy had four catches josh bellamy the goat of last week's game four catches for 93 yards and he could have had a much bigger day the, there were two passes. You heard me mention it in the third quarter knee-jerk reaction. Uh, he did drop some passes um, 
easy balls that hit him in the chest, hit him right in the hands, both hands. You got to come away with it. The second one, he was open. He had a step on his man, and I have a really good feeling that if he caught it, he would have run away for a big touchdown. It would have been a huge play and, you know, would have really just, you know, crushed the – I mean, the, the game was already over at that point. But, you know, he had four catches for 93 yards. That's an amazing day. Four catches, 93 yards, that's 23 yards a catch. You know, that's 23 yards a catch. That's fantastic production. And he made some really great catches. That I think it was the last touchdown – uh, for for Howard that he set up with this great like over the shoulder thirty one yard catch. I mean he, he he made some really nice catches, but again it's the two that he didn't catch that were easy catches. Uh, that uh, you know he could have had a much bigger day than the one that he had if he'd have just caught the damn ball. I mean he seeing that stuff. That's why Bellamy is the fifth their fifth guy off the off the bench to catch passes. Uh, for us um it was good to see Leonard Floyd back you know that scary moment he had in the Giants game he missed last week's game against Tennessee uh he and Akeem Hicks were all over Kaepernick and Gabbert uh on Sunday uh Barkley played well again and avoided the mistakes that hurt him last week uh granted it was against an inferior opponent and league and literally the league's worst defense 32nd in the league uh this season but he corrected the mistakes that hurt him uh, a week ago that's growth uh, as a player um, and you know what someone needs to take Marquise Wilson out back and shoot him I think it's about time that we put him down because th- this time period that he, that we're in right now he's finally back for the first time all year because he was on the pup list for the first nine weeks of the, of the season with that foot injury he suffered in OTAs he broke his foot so he was out for you know seven months or whatever it was um Alshon Jeffrey is gone because of the PEDs. Kevin White is done for the year because of his own injuries. Eddie Royal isn't playing because of the toe injury that he suffered that still bothered him. He didn't play yesterday. By all intents and purposes, at this moment in time, he's the best receiver that we have. So this would be a perfect time, this three, four-game period, for him to grab this time period by the throat and show the Bears, and the rest of the league for that matter, how valuable and reliable he can be, and the guy can't keep himself on the field. The first pass attempt that he gets uh, in the first quarter, he pulled his groin, and he was done for the game. We never saw him again after that. Never saw Marquise Wilson after that. And this is coming off of an eight-catch, 125-yard you know, 125 yard touchdown, uh, one-touchdown performance last week against Tennessee, which, again, could have been more if he'd have caught passes that he dropped. But, you know... I, th- I think he's done. I, I definitely think he's done in Chicago for sure because I think this is the last year of his of his rookie of his rookie deal. But I mean, this is a guy. God bless him. He just uh, you know every opportunity that's been laid out there for him, he can't take advantage of. You know, 2013 Tressman's first year. Uh, you know, he's he's coming into his second season. He's gonna be the number three guy with Brandon Marshall on one side, Alshon Jeffrey on the other. He's gonna be the number three guy that's probably gonna be able to catch some balls because they're gonna be trying to stop these other two monsters. And what does he do? He breaks his collarbone in training camp and he basically never really recovered uh from that. You know, and then the other times he just can't keep himself on the field and he had the he had the drops and it's just a guy that could just never take his his NFL career, uh, you know, never take advantage of the career that he's that he could have had 
uh, you know, just a missed opportunity uh, for this guy. So I think it's about time that we we let him go, and maybe a change of scenery would do him good because it's just not working out uh, in Chicago. And then um, I want to give kudos to Cody Whitehair. Um, he got rolled in the fourth quarter, had to leave the game uh, for a few minutes. Uh, the snaps that he missed getting his ankle taped were the first first ones he's missed all year. You know, unfortunately, that made a clean sweep for all five starters that uh, at some point they've missed time uh, this year. Actually, I, th- I might be wrong about that. I think Lino's been healthy the whole season, unfortunately. But uh, anyway, um, you know, he's had a fantastic uh, rookie season. He came back into the game uh, after getting his ta- uh, his ankle taped up, and uh, so hopefully it's no big deal. I saw on uh, on Twitter how he was telling reporters it was nothing to worry about, that he's fine, and, and, and I quote, all is good. So... Uh, won't be a long extended absence for Cody Whitehair uh, in the, in going into the future. And then finally, um, I just want to, you know, um, send my condolences to Chip Kelly. Found out after the game uh, that his dad passed away uh, on Friday, and the only reason he coached the game on Sunday was because his, his mother told him to. You know, it was like don't don't let this keep you from doing your job. Go ahead and do that and then you know i think he left he left on his own on sunday after the game probably to go to the services uh to bury his dad so condolences and kudos to to chip kelly for uh you know for being for 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 being there on sunday when nobody would have faulted him if he didn't you know what i'm saying so uh just wanted to uh to kind of put that uh out there anyway so you know i talked about it and kaepernick he had a horrible horrible football game statistically negative one yard on the day if that 20 yards rushing thing was was accurate but he had one he was one for five for four yards and then the negative 25 yards in in sack totals pushed him down to negative 21 for the day wow yeah the only thing that was missing was a turnover you know that's really the only thing that's really been missing from any uh victory for the bear well they had a turnover uh they had two interceptions on stafford in the detroit win but See if we can't make that happen again this week. I doubt it. There's a completely different team that we're going to be facing on Sunday. But, um, you know, that victory against Minnesota, uh, for me that kind of was like the silver lining, that the Vikings can't blame it on anything. The Bears just went out and just whooped their ass on, on Monday night, and that's all there was to it. So not having a turnover in that game would have been sweet to have one, but it kind of just kind of drove the dominance that the Bears had in that game, really kind of drove it home. You know, it was you can't blame it on penalties because there were three in the whole stinking game, and you can't blame it on turnovers or anything like that because the Bears just pinned their ears back and kicked your ass in that game. And uh, but this this really seemed like a game where it would have been nice to see uh, the Bears force some mistakes and get some turnovers from the 49ers. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. It's kind of like the one thing missing. We got Kaepernick to fumble it once, but one of his linemen was there to. Uh, to recover it uh, for him, so it wasn't something that the Bears uh, took advantage of. So, uh, and then Gabbert came in. I'm glad that Gabbert got into the game just because he was the quarterback that ruined us last year. And um, you know, Floyd was able to cap off the uh, the the game there at the end, just after the two minute warning with the uh, with the safety. And it really was a race to the quarterback. If Floyd didn't get him, Willie Young would have. I mean, that's uh, we just kind of closed down and the the move that Floyd put on that right tackle. He was coming from the right side. If that move, he he baited him to the outside, then cut right to the inside, and it was a clear path to Gabbert and the sack and uh, what put the Bears up 26-6 to and just shut the game down 
uh, after that. So beautiful move. Really looking like that we we've we've got we've got something on our hands with Floyd. Would still like him to be about fifteen pounds heavier with with muscle, by the way. But you know, would still like him to be a little bit bigger so he doesn't quite get ragdolled by some of the stronger tackles in the the ones that he can't fake out like he did that guy uh, from San Francisco. You know, so that he can do you know get under somebody's pads and bull rush him you know into the quarterback i saw von miller who's all about five six i mean he's not a tall guy but he's thick and he's got some strength and some and some mass to him i saw him literally push an offensive tackle into the quarterback in it was the for, uh, the jaguars they were playing yesterday literally got underneath somebody's pads which is easier for a guy that's so damn short but to get under somebody's pads, he pushed him into the quarterback, and pushing him into the quarterback forced him to fumble the ball that ended up being the turnover that won Denver the game yesterday. You know, that's something that I would see that I would like to see Leonard Floyd doing. Right now he's more of a finesse pass rusher because I don't see him muscling his way around anyone. He's using his speed and everything to get around him. And I think that's what makes Von Miller a more complete player. Right now, anyway. I mean, I know it's Floyd's first season. We've got a long way to go with this guy, knock on wood. But, you know, Von Miller is fast enough. He can get around you. And, you know, and he's also, like I saw like I saw on that play, strong enough to go through you if he has to. And I think if, uh, you know, we can get some more, get some more muscle on that, uh, that tall, lanky frame of Floyd's, we might have an all-time player uh, on our hands or at least uh, somebody that uh, will be a staple in the defense for some some time to come so it's it's nice after the uh the disaster that has been the first two years of kevin white's career to see ryan to see one of ryan pace's first round picks work out so i mean this kid seven sacks i think that's the that's the team lead for now if i'm not mistaken uh seven sacks with four games uh to go he could be making a push for defensive rookie of the year so uh let's uh, keep our fingers crossed uh on that so Anyway, that will do it for the review of the Bears and the 49ers for week number 13. What do you say we go ahead and close this thing out with everybody's favorite segment, Bear Up, Bear Down. I only have one to bear down this week, and I need your help out there. If anybody who can see the game again or see the play or or what have you, let me know if I'm wrong about this. But I think, I'm pretty sure, I know if for a fact it was a tight end. It was an 80 number, and I'm pretty sure it was 85, which would be Daniel Brown, uh, the guy who scored a touchdown last week and I'd never heard of before. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it was him. That number one, he was late getting on the field, caused the Bears to have a delay a game penalty, and then he misses the block that gets the block punt the, the punt blocked. So um, you know, yeah. Bear down to Daniel Brown. And then throw Marquise Wilson in there, dude. I mean, just you gotta seriously, man. You got one game left. I think uh, we got one more game before Alshon comes back. Uh, I think we get him back for the for the Washington game uh in two weeks. But next week against the the Lions you know, get yourself out there, man, you know, rehab as quickly as you can and get back out there. You know, you're, you're just, 
he's way more talented. And that's what's so frustrating. I know he's better than this. The Bears got an absolute steal by being able to get him in the seventh quarter, in the seventh round when we drafted him. It was a character thing. You know, the the like all the, the GMs in the NFL and all that kind of stuff turned their back on this guy because he quit the team at Washington State because Mike Leach, who is renowned, the head coach of the of Washington State, renowned for being one of the most despicable coaches in football and being hard on players and everything, and Wilson just had enough of it and he walked away from the team. That's why he wasn't like a an early or early mid round pick. He ended up going in the seventh round, nearly went undrafted, and the Bears got him. It was not a talent thing. Like, I remember people being thrilled, like experts and such. Oh, the Bears took Marquise Wilson. He might be somewhat of a character concern, but he's a way better talent than a seventh round pick, and blah, 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 blah. And all the potential that could have happened, especially in 2013. That first year that we had Tressman, he's, you know, uh, after the year that Marshall and, and Jeffrey had. In 2012, Jeffrey was, you know, injured, uh, you know, a couple of injuries his freshman, his freshman season. Um, you know, people were looking for big things in 2013, and then they happened, but not with Marquise Wilson because he was injured for half the year because he broke his damn collarbone uh, in, in training camp doing something that Tressman told him not to do, you know. Tressman told him not to die for balls. What does he do? He dove for a ball and shattered his goddamn collarbone in the process, and then it was just all been down, downhill from from there. So, anyway, um, so Daniel Brown, Marquise Wilson, that's the bear down list for this week. On the bear upside, uh, Matt Barkley, got to go ahead and give it to him, especially with the fact that, I mean, statistically it wasn't very sexy at all. I think he had just barely over 200 yards uh, passing in the game, but – Threw the ball really well, looked really comfortable in the pocket, and more importantly, did not force passes like he did last week, those two interceptions that he had. One was a bad throw. The other was um, you know, more of a bad decision. Like I said, he tried to fit it into a window, and the defender and the receiver got there at the same time, and the defender ended up walking away with the you – know, won the tug of war and came away with the, uh, with the football. It really looks like he did learn from one week to the next. He didn't put himself in a position to do that last week, granted against an inferior opponent, but it, there weren't even glimpses of that in this game uh, this time. So there, it wasn't like uh, the 49ers were in the game because Barkley and his inexperience allowed it to happen that way. I am really looking forward to seeing how Matt Barkley plays this Sunday against the 49ers. Ideal conditions in a dome, but a much better team that we're going to be playing this week, and and conceivably a much better defense. And uh, we'll see how that all uh, we'll see how that all works out. We'll we'll see how much it's going to hurt that he doesn't have Alshon for the next week uh, out there. So uh, other bear ups, we got Jordan Howard, of course, uh, ended the game. Like I said, he after the Bears started opening up the passing game. The floodgates open for him because I think he had 30 yards rushing in the first half, finished with 117 and three touchdowns in the game. That third one was especially sweet. I, I still love that one. Um, and uh, so, you know, great job from him. Uh, bear up to Cody Whitehair, like I said, showing the toughness after he got rolled in the fourth quarter, got it taped up, went back out there. That's old school. I mean, it just they don't make them like they used to, unfortunately. And you've heard my theories on why I think that is, but. Cody White here is uh, going against the grain and, uh, you know, not calling, you know, not saying anything about Kyle Long or anything. That guy's legitimate. He had surgery to put his ankle back together. I just saw his his cast on Twitter, him and Zach Miller sitting there together 
uh, in the in the rehab room with their feet up. Made me made me sick to my stomach to see that. Just two of my favorite players on the team are done for the year, but um, it showed real grit. And unfortunately, that you know it. It, I would more than likely had something to do with the, the actual severity uh, of the injury, but everybody else who's gone down has not come back, and Cody Whitehair did. So kudos to him. And uh, you know, the sna- like I said, the snaps that he missed while he was getting his ankle tape were the first ones he's missed all season. So you know, good job for for Whitehair for coming back and for being being what we needed him to be this year. He was a second round pick, so we expect things from people we picked that high, and he has delivered so far this year. Speaking of the delivery, uh, Leonard Floyd gets a bear up this week. Had a, had a sack and a half, maybe two sacks in this game, including his first safety. And, uh, you know, like I said, looking like it's going to work out uh, so far. You know, if he, if he, if he can finish strong uh, in these last four games, he, he it's going to be him and Joey Bosa as far as who's the defensive player of the year for rookies uh, this season. Uh, speaking of defensive rookies, Nick Kwiatkowski had an outstanding game, uh, nine tackles. I think he had two uh, tackles for loss uh, in this one, and the guy's a hitter for sure. You know, it's um, he replaced Jarrell Freeman when he went down uh, with the PEDs uh, violation, and, and, and believe me, when Freeman comes back, it's going to be Freeman and Kwiatkowski it will not be uh, Freeman and uh, Timu, that's for sure. Uh, you know, uh, John Timu looks absolutely lost in coverage. He had, first of all, he had, uh, I think he had like a pass interference call or something like that uh, called. No, actually, I don't think it was. Uh, but he had one pass skip off his head, and then he had another, the, the second one, where if he had turned around, he could have picked it off because Gabbert underthrew the pass or Kaepernick, whichever it was under through the pass if he turns around it's an interception but instead he's watching the defender the whole time trying to put his hands up and granted he's still playing defense but if he turns around and looks for the football he probably picks it off because it was underthrown and for the for lack of a you know he basically threw it right to him but instead he's sitting there like, like he's trying to catch up to the receiver instead of playing playing defense there he's kind of chasing after him and uh, yeah, that didn't look good. So, but Kwiatkowski, he's going to be the other guy now that Trevathan's done for the year. When Freeman comes back for those last couple of games, that's going to be our linebacking core on the inside is Freeman and, and Kwiatkowski. And I'm looking forward to seeing those two uh, together. And then finally, uh, the bear up to Akeem Hicks, who was an absolute monster yesterday. I mean, um, you know, that's a pretty good haul right there. So as a matter of fact, those uh, those four guys there in the middle. Jordan Howard, Cody Whitehair, Leonard Floyd, Kwiatkowski, those are all draft picks for this year. Those are all rookies that made the bear-up list this week. And Akeem Hicks was a free agent uh, addition uh, that that Ryan Pace made. So if it comes down to it and we got to make a choice, um, you know, I say we keep Ryan Pace and let John Fox go at this point. So um, it's just I, I just don't think that Fox is the guy anymore. I was thrilled and that we got him, and in 2015 it looked like it was working out. You know, like I've said a thousand times already, we were low on talent but high on effort, and you put that on coaching, and you know we were scrappy. We we got in, so we were in every football game, and we should have won more games than we did, and so on and so forth. So going into this off season, another draft class like the one that we had in 2015, you know, get some free agents in there. The Bears should be able to make the next step. If we can't make the playoffs, at least we're going to get close and be more competitive, especially with the schedule we got coming up in 2016. Blah 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 blah. 
didn't happen that way, but Akeem Hicks has been one of the few bright spots that we've had this year to go along with uh, watching that rookie class perform. So anyway, that will do it for the show. That'll do it for the 20th, uh, for the 2016, for the week 13 review episode of the Chicago Bears review. We'll be back on Thursday to preview week 14 and our second and final contest with the Detroit Lions. Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit will be on the show uh, with us this week, I'm pretty sure. We're, 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 we, we've got a confirmation now. We're just trying to nail it down when we're actually going to talk to each other. Uh, Jeremy warned me last week he might not be able to, but it's, he sounds more optimistic that it's going to happen. Right now we're looking at Wednesday so that everything will be ready to go for the show on Thursday. So fingers crossed everything goes the way it needs to so Jeremy can join us on the show to preview the game between the Bears and the Lions for week number 14 so until then my name is Larry D and this has been the Chicago Bears Review Some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.